0: Now, let's accelerate. Here's James and Ash.
1: Hey, everybody. It's James Vagley here, and welcome to another episode of the MBA podcast, and it's episode 73, Reigniting Referral Partners. And uh, Ash, number one, how are you doing? And I'm looking forward to today. Well, number one, I'm doing awesome, James. Thanks for asking. And number two, how are you doing? And number three,
2: episode 73, and we've landed on one
1: of my favourite topics. Oh, good. Well, number two, I think it is. I'm great. Uh, and listeners, hope you are too. Reigniting referral partners, Ash. Uh, referral partners, again, is a huge topic. It's, a, you know, weeks and weeks of training potentially in this space, but we're going to go into one area of referral partners. So for our listeners, if you don't have any referral partners yet, that's not what we're talking about today. This episode is about the professionals and referral partners you already know and have a bit of a relationship with, but you might not have spoken to them for a while, or they might not have referred you for one, two, three, six months, maybe, or more. So For those of you that have partners that you know, accountants, real estate agents, planners, people like that, but they're not referring or haven't referred for a while, we're going to sort of consider them cold or almost a little bit dead, right? And we want to try and fire them back up and get referral flow. So where do you want to start with this one, Mr. P?
2: Uh, Really good question.
1: And there's a fair bit to unpack here.
2: So yeah, let's zero right in perhaps on maybe defining what a referral partner actually is. Where, I I mean, in my world, and, you know, for listeners, you probably know this, and James certainly, you know, this is, you know, I I built a lot of my success on um, referral partners, active referral partners. So I might start with what I would call active referral partners or gold-level referral partners. Now, they are people, generally individuals rather than firms, they are people that uh, have sent you and continue to send you what I would call at least two upwards decent quality referrals per month. Now, you could argue whether that's high or low, but I think that's about the mark. So first of all is to, to define an active referral partner. Then you've got probably your silver and your bronze. And silver are people like you, I think you mentioned, they're sort of semi comatose. They send you a deal every now and again, but it's nothing that's reliable. You take the deal, but you know they don't. There's real, no real consistency. And then there's bronze, which is essentially uh, people that are on your list. You've never really got a deal from them. You've been in contact, but there's no real relationship there that's producing outcomes. So you sort of got this gold, silver, and bronze. So what we've got to work out is, okay, how many do we want in this gold category? All right. And that comes down to strategy and numbers and you know where you're going with your business and. As to your point, James, what have we got to do to fire them up? Because, you know, if they're in the silver category already uh, or even in the bronze, you know, there's some level of relationship, there's some level of uh, interest and respect because they may have sent you some business in the past, particularly if you're in that silver or even in that sort of vaguely gold category So, or they were in that gold category in the past but they've died off. Um, because you've ignored them for too long. So that's probably the, the point that I would start for listeners, James, is to understand what we, what we call a referral partner. You know, we've talked about this in many previous episodes about, you know, they're not a referral partner if they're not giving you business. They're just somebody that you know. Yep. Um, but, you know, referral partners start as somebody you know. So, you know, let's have a think about, okay, first of all, you know, how many do we want in that category? Secondly, where are they? Thirdly, what have we got to do to reach out and recommence the relationship? That's essentially what it comes down to. And I would say, you know, if you've got a plus, plus, plus in that formula, the equals needs to be expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, and expectations for me are the end of the formula, which is ideally how many referrals over what period of time would constitute a successful and productive relationship.
1: Yeah, I like that you approach it like that because... Reigniting could just be, oh, I'm not getting enough leads from this person, so I'm going to try and drum some leads up. Uh, But actually thinking about it and compartmentalizing it to gold, silver, and bronze, then it becomes a matter of, okay, how many do I want in each level, as you've said? And if I don't have enough, well, there needs to be a strategy of trying to get the silvers up to gold or the bronzes up to silver, up to gold. Um, But you may actually not need it, which is Probably the bigger question, which was probably behind your answer there in the fact that um, just because someone's not sending you leads, do you need to go out and reignite all of your partners? That's probably the question that people would answer incorrectly. Oh, virtually
2: every time. I mean, look, we see this a lot. I see this a lot. You know, uh, when I was a broker uh, for many years myself and, of course, running businesses and, and coaching as well is... Lots of brokers have lots of relationships with lots of people that they would sort of maybe collectively categorise as referrers, and then when they're challenged to say, you know, go and reactivate them, most people tend to spray the machine gun equally at all of them. Why that I mean is it's unfocused. It's just this notion of okay, I need some more business. I better go out and chase everybody. Now that's not a great strategy at the best of times, but it's even worse considering the time constraints and other general obligations we have as a broker and a business owner. We really, really need to be targeted with this, James. I mean, this is the key for me is to be targeted now. We need to develop what I might want to call a sieve or a filter where you may need to communicate with a larger batch of potential referrers, but you've got to be really, really clear about what constitutes them passing through the filter and coming out the other side as a gold relationship that gets all all of your attention. Mm-hmm. You can't give all of your attention to twenty different people.
0: Ooh, now,
1: I want to. I'll just need to interject because I love that. Um, because the danger with reigniting partners is, as you said, oh, I'll just blast out ten or twenty or thirty text messages, or make tons of phone calls to all of these people, and book all these lunches and coffee catch ups, and hope that volume is going to do it, but it needs to be more laser targeted than that. Don't make 100 phone calls to 100 bronze, target one or two silvers and get them up to gold more strategically. Really cool. Yeah, 100%. Uh,
2: It seems obvious when we're kicking it around here, right? But I think it's one of those things that tends to hide in plain sight. And and as entrepreneurs, business owners, brokers, and all the other things we're, we're managing in our broker businesses, I think the obvious gets missed a lot. Um, so I guess it's it's really worthwhile to point out the simplicity of a and the the logic of a laser-like targeted approach to pick out based on your criteria a smaller handful of higher potential prospects and then go after them with full vigor. Mm-hmm. right now, rather than you know, how would I summarize this? Be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. I, I, I'll very quickly, you know, if we have got a minute, I'll tell you a very quick story about when I started targeting referral partners. And this is the before and after. This is the uh, the wrong and the wrong versus the right way. When I very sort of first broke out on my own back in the late nineties, I came up with this strategy. I was going to generate inbound business from referrers, and I thought, okay, this And I came up with a list, and this list was 180 people, every real estate agent, and accountant, and a couple of financial planners in my local area. There's a lot. So I came up with this awesome letter that I mailed, you know, old old school, stamp to every single one of them saying, "Hey, I'm running this business. I'm here to help you and your clients. I'll be in touch in the next few weeks to personalize the introduction." Now, guess what happened? I started ringing them and having meetings. Guess how many I got through before I got overrun? 10. Yeah. Right? The other 170 I made a promise that I never fulfilled and I actually burnt some relationships and damaged my reputation because I promised something to 180 people that there's no way I was ever going to be able to fulfill. But in my naive enthusiasm and motivation, I just thought, well, that makes sense. Spray the machine gun at everyone and hopefully you take down a couple of ducks, you know, (laughs) because you're firing your shotgun at the flock, you might hit a couple. Guess what? Might work in duck hunting. Doesn't work in generating referral partners. Um, So, you know, I, I became successful, but I did do a bit of damage by trying to be all things to all people. So the message is, be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Yeah, And that's a bad, bad thing. You're better off to be much narrower and deeper with your focus
1: than wider and shallower. Exactly. So, for example, if you're if you're looking at this strategically, we don't just reignite partners for the sake of it. We go, right, we aren't getting the number of leads we need to hit our goals. So maybe we need to find another gold level partner or another silver level partner. And we go after just enough so that we don't, as you said, Ash, go over capacity, burn out, burn relationships and so on. So I'm really glad that we actually started in that place because that's super important and critical. Next, I'd like to talk a little bit, like, how would, how would you do it? Like, um, we want to kick a couple of bronzes up to silver or we want to get some silvers a little bit more consistent with their leads. Um, obviously, this these referral partners that we're looking to reignite, we might not have spoken to them for a number of months. They might remember us. So it's kind of interesting. How would you approach this to go from sort of, cold fringe partner that probably remembers you, but isn't sending any deals to a silver or gold level relationship? How do you approach it?
2: That is a great question. And this is obviously, you know, the million dollar question is, what is the next step? So I'm going to invoke a couple of things here. One of the things I'm going to invoke is, well, we call it, you know, the 10X broker, right, James, we call it the shock and awe pack or the shock and awe strategy. So if it was me, what I would be doing, I would be following uh, – uh, this is a strategy that we use um, with our clients, which is, you know, you have your list of these prospects um, that might be – let's say there's 10 of them, right? Uh, we also had agents, a couple of accountants, the people that you've had this sort of B or, you know, bronze or silver or even formerly gold relationship with. You know who they are. You know how to contact them. You know where they work. So, step one, you're in contact generally with an email to prep them. Then step two is the phone call to uh, introduce yourself again or to, 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 to reintroduce yourself um, and to set up the meeting, right? That's critical. It's critical. So you go to that step. Then between the meeting, sorry, between the booking of the meeting and the actual meeting, I would be coming up with a contemporary shock and awe step. Now, obviously, we can explain what shock and awe is. Simply, that is something that you send to that person before the meeting that gets them excited helps you stand out creates you know a, a degree of even celebrity or, or difference between you and everybody else that they can get now it could be as simple as sending a box of donuts to their office right and I'm just making this up right it could be as simple as sending a box of donuts to their office saying hey it's me looking forward to our meeting thought you and your team might enjoy a snack on me look forward to seeing you on day X it could be that Or it could be something more official, which is a bit more brochure-based or a bit more informative-based about you and your business and how you operate that arrives with some style at their office. Things like that, James, that's what I would be doing. And then when you have the meeting, well, it's really about articulating uh, where you're at, the business that you've got, and that you've positioned yourself with time free. And I think this is really the key thing uh, that, that I'd be focusing on is, Particularly, this is what we do with our members, right, James, is help them free up time so they can position themselves as a business owner with systems and process and team where the rainmaker, i.e. the business owner, has liberated themselves to manage and be available for the relationship. I think it's one of the biggest problems for brokers that are pre-systemization and team You've got a little bit of time to go and reignite the relationships, but not enough time to continue to nurture the ones that respond. This is this is all part of the complexity of this, but um, I digress. Getting back to what I would do is I would I would isolate the 10 best prospects and run this process. Um, I think 10 is a fair number because you're not going to do too much damage if you don't necessarily get through all 10, but it's enough that you should be able to get through ringing and having a meeting with all 10 and out of that, of course, you're looking to extract the one, two, three, four, five that you connect with. And we have a particular conversational strategy, right? That we, you know, that can be followed. That that lands the conversation
1: in the right spot where it's clear and obvious that your services should be used. Yeah, exactly. And there's obviously a lot of context and expertise and detail in that email and that phone call and the shock and awe and the actual meeting. And that's, I mean, we teach that in our key partnerships our process and programs. But um, I guess what we can share, at least, Ash, in this amount of time is that as you got your list of 10 partners, the key thing to remember for our listeners is that that email contact is only to set up the phone call. It's not to send them three pages of war and peace. The email just prefaces so that there's expectation around the phone call. The phone call is there to reconnect and set the meeting. It's not a 20-minute war and peace phone call. (laughs) And then the meeting, this is probably the the hardest one I think for a lot of people is how do we go from a coffee catch-up or that meeting which everybody's, uh, most brokers are pretty good at meetings, so they think, as in sit with someone, ask how they're going, talk about business, have a coffee, have lunch, but actually getting that to the next level where they're like, right, I'm upgrading this partner to a silver or a gold level and you're actually getting some sort of agreement or a commitment from them. I think that's where there's a lot of fall down in Mm -hmm. a lot of brokers. So maybe what would be your key step to share with our listeners around what to do at that meeting so that it actually results in referrals and not just a good coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to send more business, but lo and behold, often that doesn't come through if you do it wrong. So what can we give away uh, in just a minute or two?
2: Oh, gee. Listeners, just leave your bank account details so I can direct debit. This is the gold, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Look, let me start with the end in mind. One of my golden rules at this step is maximum two weeks. Let's call it Asher's golden two-week rule is after that meeting, face-to-face meeting now, no more Zoom, of course, we can get face-to-face after that meeting, if you haven't got your first inbound good quality referral within a maximum of two weeks, move on. That's just been proven to me over more than 30 years. That if, a, if a prospective referral partner says they're going to support you and they haven't within two weeks, they're highly unlikely to, just statistically, no matter what you do. Yes, you can follow them up and see what's wrong, but statistically, if their actions don't back their words within two weeks... It ain't going to happen. That's the golden rule. So just keep that in mind. So back to the core of your question, James, how can I distill this down? Look, I would run a conversation that leads, the, let's call it a real estate agent because that's generally where a lot of this sits. And, and I prefer networking with real estate agents because you know they've got the clients that need a mortgage right now. But you can adapt this in a way for other partners as well. But particularly with agents, I would run a conversation that leads inevitably to a problem that needs solving. Now let me think of a problem that needs solving for a real estate agent. Let's just think of one. One problem would be, hey, I get so sick of promises from brokers that a loan's going to be approved and then it doesn't, and my and my and I'm not sure that my commission's locked in and also my reputation gets hit because the broker keeps telling me everything's okay, but it's not. So that's a problem for a real estate agent, right? Yep. So you run a conversation that leads to that place. So this is sort of problem agitation solve. It's called the PAS process, listeners. We all love our acronyms, right? So you create, you, you, you identify the problem, you agitate it, right? Nothing hurts an agent more than any prospect or any potential of them not getting their commission. So, the sooner they can lock in full approval, unconditional approval, the better. We know that. So, that's where you've got to lead the conversation. Then you would agitate the problem by saying, oh, you know, banks are constantly changing policies. There's so many brokers out there with varying standards. Nothing's worse than thinking the loan's okay. And, you know, and then there's a problem and then you've got to put it back on the market. Nothing worse. Okay. So, that's agitating the problem. Then you talk about, oh, here's how I work. I never let that happen. You know, I run a process in a system that ensures that that doesn't happen and that you always get straight talking, direct answers, um, and you always know what's going on so that you can lock in your commission faster and more easily with me. Bang. Right. Now, what agent's going to say, I don't want that, or that, you know, they're going to say, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? And you might give a case study or an example about how you've done that in the past. Then the last thing you leave is, of course, a little bit of training, shall we say, or a little bit of a recommendation about how to kick off the relationship. Don't worry about going to sales meetings. Don't worry about going to open houses. The next time the agent is speaking to somebody that's got an offer on a property that's accepted or is even pre acceptance, that's the trigger point for them to say, hey, I work with broker X, who I trust. I always like my clients to get the right advice about their lending, even if you've already spoken to someone. Do you mind if I get Broker X to give you a quick call to confirm that your pre approval is rock solid and that you've got the best outcome? Is that okay? No clients ever said no to that. And then that's it. They just ring you and say, here's the client's details. I told them you give them a call, off you go. That should be the limit of the agent's involvement. Now, that's a relatively long answer to your question, James, but everybody listening to this, listen to that over and over again, because if you can customise that process a little bit, you know, to you, you will be gold. You will find your two or three or four partners who will support you because they'll just get it. And you'll know, you know, we talk about this a lot, right, James, is you don't want to build partners with people that don't get it. Don't force, you can't force a square peg into a round hole. You're looking to stick a round peg in a round hole. And this is the process to follow, to find those people that just sink
1: and get it. And then you're off to the races. You give them a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Yep. That's sensational. And I like where you finished as well, because at the end of the day, uh, we, we are trying to reignite referral partners when we need and want the extra leads and volume. But if, you don't get along or they don't get it, be prepared to walk away. There are plenty of agents and accountants and people out there that will work with you. You just have to find the right ones. We don't need 10 or 20 or 30. We often only need a few. So don't be um, worried about walking away from a relationship that's not going anywhere, Ash, because we have seen a lot of people uh, keep banging their head up against relationships that just aren't going to go anywhere. Um, But in terms of the last few minutes of you outlining that, you're right, pure gold, free podcast. If that's not worth six figures to listeners who actually go and use it, something's wrong. So there's the challenge to our listeners. Uh, re-listen to this, write down those points, go and use it, and then you can comment on our podcast or get in touch with us and tell us how much money you made with the simple but really powerful Uh, strategy around reigniting and then working with partners. Um, Sensational, Ash. Yeah, I love this subject, James, and we just want mortgage brokers to win, right? And there's
2: such a natural synergy between a mortgage pro, a real estate agent and or an accountant and or a wealth professional, that sector. There's such a natural relationship between those parties and the client's common best interest. So this is just a process for you to find your little niche your little tribe that connects with you, right? So the process we've outlined is procedural and then you inject your personality into it and you keep having meetings until you find your three or four that are like-minded. They could be like-minded nerds. They could be like-minded alphas. They could be, you know, like my referral partners, confession time, I'm a nerd. My referral partners back in the day were the agents that no one else spoke to right? They weren't the gun A-graders. They were the second stringers, the middle of the road, who people didn't really worry about. Well, guess what? Four of them made me 250 grand a
1: year. Nice. 20 years ago. So, you know, just keep going until you find your tribe. You betcha. I love it. Um, I guess listeners, you know, this has been a super valuable episode. We love referral partners and you need to find your tribe, as Ash said. If you want exact scripts and templates and you know exactly how to do every single piece of this i mean we work with our members on this in our 10x and accelerate programs it's what we do Uh, but i think we've given you some solid stuff today for free so go action it um awesome chat ash and uh be great to hear from some listeners on uh some success with this episode and until next week um have yourself a good week Yeah, likewise, James. And listeners, get out there and take action. Have a crack. Let us know how you go. Have a crack. Good stuff, Ash. And uh, listeners,
0: see you next week. Thanks for joining this episode of Mortgage Broker Acceleration. It's now time to grow your mortgage business, your income, and your lifestyle too. If you want to accelerate and learn from the best, head over to brokerworkshop.com and join the next deep dive training with James and Ash that's www.brokerworkshop.com until next time go get 'em